Tonight, God's Word comes to us from the prophet Zechariah, and we are going to be looking at a number of texts throughout this book. I encourage you to keep your Bibles out as we uh, work through this book uh, this evening. We're going to begin our reading at chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's Word. In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, son of Edo, saying, The Lord was very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, Thus declares the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers to whom the former prophets cried out. Thus says the Lord of hosts, return from your evil ways and from your evil deeds, but they did not hear or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? So they repented and said, As the Lord of hosts proposed to deal with us for our ways and deeds, so has he dealt with us. On the 24th day of the 11th month, which is the month Shabbat, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, son of Edo, saying, I saw in the night, and behold, a man riding on a red horse. And what follows here is eight night visions that God gives the prophet Zechariah. We're going to pick up our reading at chapter 3. This is the fourth of the night visions, beginning at verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you. And I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments, and the angel of the Lord was standing by. And the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, Then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are assigned. Behold, I will bring my servant the branch. For behold, on the stone that I have set before Joshua, On a single stone with seven eyes, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, 
Every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. And now moving ahead to chapter 6 and verse 9, this follows the last of the night visions, picking up our reading at verse 9 of chapter 6. The word of the Lord came to me. Take from the exiles Heldai, Tobijah, and Jediah, who have arrived from Babylon, and go the same day to the house of Josiah, son of Zephaniah. Take from them silver and gold, and make a crown, and set it on the head of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and say to him, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold the man whose name is the branch, He shall branch out from this place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. It is he who shall build the temple of the Lord, and shall bear royal honor, and shall sit and rule on his throne. And there shall be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. And the crown shall be in the temple of the Lord, as a reminder to Helam, Tobijah, Jediah, and Hen, the son of Zephaniah. And those who are far off shall come and help to build the temple of the Lord. And you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. And this shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. And now we turn to the end of the book, chapter 14. We'll read these last verses beginning at verse 16. Then... Everyone who survives of all the nations that have come against Jerusalem shall go up year after year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of booths. And if any of the families of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. And if the family of Egypt does not go up and present themselves, then on them there shall be no rain. There shall be a plague with which the Lord afflicts the nations that do not go up to keep the feast of booths. This shall be the punishment to Egypt and the punishment to all the nations that do not go up to keep the feast of booths. And on that day, there shall be inscribed on the bells of the horses, holy to the Lord. And the pots in the house of the Lord shall be as bowls before the altar. And every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holy to the Lord of hosts, so that all who sacrifice may come and take of them and boil the meat of sacrifice in them. And there shall no longer be a traitor in the house of the Lord of hosts on that day. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, tonight we come to the 11th of the 12 minor prophets. I plan to have one more sermon in this series. Uh, Tonight, looking at the prophet Zechariah. Uh, Zechariah, again to remind you, one of the post-exilic prophets. Uh, Zechariah ministering about the same time as Haggai. I hope as we read this text, there were some names that were familiar to you. We read about the second year of King Darius. We talked about that the last two weeks. We read about Joshua, the high priest. He was mentioned in Haggai. Uh, Zechariah and Haggai are contemporaries. 
They are doing their ministry at roughly the same time, about 520 B.C. or so. And they both come with a very similar message. What was the message of Haggai, kids? What did did Haggai tell the people? It's time to build the temple. Zechariah is going to come with a very, very similar message about building the temple of God. They come as prophets to give encouragement to God's people in that task. Now, we saw the last two weeks, Haggai is very direct. He tells the people, this is what you got to do. It's time to build the temple. Don't be so concerned about your own houses. Build the temple of the Lord. Zechariah comes with, as I said, a similar message. But his message is couched in visions and in symbols and in pictures. It comes in a very, very different style, although although ministering the same time to the same people, a very, very different style. Zechariah, uh, as you maybe have noticed tonight, is the longest of the minor prophets. Zechariah is a wonderful book in that it is a book that is very, very easy to outline. One of the first things that I do when I study a book of Scripture or a particular section of Scripture, I try to find an outline to know what the structure of the passage is. And Zechariah is very easy to outline. Chapter 1, the first six verses, are the introduction to the book and a call for the people to repent. And then from verse 7 of chapter 1 on through the end of chapter 6, we have those eight night visions that are given. In chapters 7 and 8, the prophet addresses questions about fasting. And then the last section, chapters 9 through 14, are two large oracles, two large revelations given through the prophet, three chapters each. It's a very, very easy book to outline. While it's an easy book to outline, it is a very difficult book to understand. The church father, Jerome, said it is the most obscure of all books because of the visions, because of the symbols. It's it's difficult to get a handle on what is Zechariah talking about. But while it may be difficult to understand, as I worked with this book this past week, I've come to believe it is probably one of the clearest revelations of the person and work of Jesus Christ. We know that all of the Old Testament reveals Christ and what he would do, but but Zechariah in these beautiful, visionary, uh, pictorial ways gives us a message about the person and work of Jesus. It's a book that's quoted over 70 times in the New Testament, over one-third of those in the Gospels. It's a book that the people of God would be very familiar with. And not surprisingly, over 30 uh, quotations, uh, quotations from Zechariah in the book of Revelation, another book of vision and picture. Uh, In the last uh, section of the book, chapters 9 and to the end, 
Uh, a number of those uh, verses quoted in Jesus' passion narrative. If you want to, turn to, turn to Zechariah 9, verse 9. Zechariah 9, verse 9, <clears throat> where the prophet says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Sing aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Your king is coming with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey. What's that referring to, kids? It's referring to Jesus riding into Jerusalem as he prepares to go to the cross. He is righteous and having salvation, yet humble and mounted on a donkey. Zechariah 9, verse 9, speaks about Christ, his person, and his work. From chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 12. Then I said to them, If it seems good to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. And they weighed out as my wages 30 pieces of silver. Then the Lord said to me, throw it to the potter, the lordly price at which I was priced by them. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. What was the price of Jesus' betrayal? 30 pieces of silver. What happened to those 30 pieces of silver? They were thrown to the potter's field. Zechariah 11 speaks about Jesus. From, from chapter 12 and verse 10. Chapter 12, verse 10. And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so they will look on me, on him whom they have pierced, as they mourn for him, as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. They will look on him that they have pierced. A reference to Christ on the cross. And we won't read uh, all of chapter 13, but they are references to the shepherd and the sheep being scattered. And Jesus is the one who gathers those scattered sheep together again. So that's why I say more than any other book, uh, this is a book about Jesus the Messiah. So I've entitled tonight's sermon, The Prophet of God's Messiah. We're going to begin our look with chapter 3 in this book. Chapter 3 in this book. 3 verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? We have the picture of Joshua, Joshua the high priest, in the court of God. He is standing there and Satan, the accuser, to challenge him. We know that this high priest from verse 3, he is clothed in filthy garments. And Satan is there to point out how fallen and sinful he is. We read in verse 2, the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. Now the Lord didn't correct Satan. Didn't say, you know, Satan, you're wrong about that. He is there in filthy rags. But the Lord rebuke you for accusing one of God's chosen. 
The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? This is one chosen by God as one plucked out of the fire. How dare you accuse one of God's chosen? A beautiful picture, again, allusions to our salvation. We who, who are as if, as it were, plucked from the fires of hell because God in his goodness has elected us in love uh, to be his very own. We read in verse 4, And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And here we see Joshua the high priest standing in for Israel. He's standing there as the high priest of God's people, clothed with filthy garments, but he is going to be given new clothes, clean vestments to wear. And here we see part of the difficulty of understanding Zechariah. Because we have here a double picture. Joshua, the high priest, not only standing for the people of Israel, who will be saved and given new clothes, but Joshua, the high priest, also standing as a picture of Jesus Christ, the great high priest. A prophecy often has various levels of understanding, and we see two things going on here. But that doesn't surprise us, because in Christ's life, we see two things going on. At times, we see him as that pristine high priest, and at other times, the one who is bearing the sins of God's people, and both are true. Joshua standing for the people in filthy garments, and yet Joshua the high priest, the one who's now clothed in clean, pure vestments as a picture of Christ. Yes, salvation is like having those, those filthy rags, our sins taken away, and new clothes given, like we talked about this morning, being clothed in righteousness as if we had never sinned or been a sinner, as if I had been perfectly obedient as Christ was for me. That's the picture going on here, a picture of the high priest bringing salvation to the people of God put on a turban on his head, put this clean turban on his head. They put the clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments and the angel of the Lord was standing by. This high priestly turban, we might say he was cleansed from head to toe. That's the picture given to us here of this great high priest. And, and this priest is given a task to do. Verse eight, excuse me, six. The angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. You will, you will work in the house of God. You will rule over the people of God as that great high priest. They have access to the courts of God for Israel. Those who have now been washed and cleansed and clothed, access to the courts of God, the right to access among those who are standing here. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are assigned. Behold, I will bring my servant the branch. A picture 
a picture of God's work in the life of his people. Verse 9, for behold, on the stone that I have set before Joshua, on a single stone with seven eyes, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. I'll remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. You know when that day was, kids. When was the day that God removed all sin for each and every one of his people around the whole earth? It was that day that Jesus Christ died on the cross. Zechariah looks forward to that perfect work. The high priest in priestly garments, the garments of righteousness, yet the one who would in a single day remove all the iniquity of all of his people. A picture of Christ the great high priest. Then, then he changes the picture. Go to chapter 6. Chapter 6 and beginning at verse 9. And the word of the Lord came to me. Take from the exiles, these various people who have arrived from Babylon, and go the same day to the house, and take from them silver and gold and make a crown and set it on the head of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and say to him, thus says the Lord of hosts. Now we have a different picture. Not that priestly turban on the high priest's head, but now make a crown. Take silver and gold and make a crown and set that on his head. Well, you kids, you know a crown is for a king. That's the picture being given to us in Zechariah chapter 6. Now this great one, this high priest, becomes king for the people. And verse 12, and say to him, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, for he shall branch out from his place and shall build the temple of the Lord. This priest serving as king will know the branch, the one who will branch out from the temple of the Lord. He will be the one who builds the temple. Remember, that's the context. It's time to build the temple. Well, this branch will come, and again, we have overlapping of the prophetic pictures going on here. The branch is the priest king. The branch is the one who will, who will spread the kingdom throughout all of the church, continuing to branch out by the work of the gospel around the globe, building the church. That's the work of Jesus Christ the king. He is king and head of his people. That's the picture going on here. Again, from verse 13. It is he who shall build the temple of the Lord and shall bear royal honor and shall sit and rule on his throne and there shall be a priest on his throne and the council of peace shall be between them both. It is he who shall build the temple of the Lord. And here we see what we've been talking about for the last couple weeks. Yes, the clear call of Haggai, it's time to build the temple. But the reminder 
that the one truly at work is Jesus Christ, the priest king. Yes, the call came to us. It's time to build the church. It's time to use our gifts and talents to, to spread out that gospel, that, that it might branch across the world. But who's the one that ultimately builds the church? It is Jesus Christ. The one who as priest king sits and rules and reigns over his people. The one who brings in those who are far off. Verse 15, And those who are far off shall come and help build the temple of the Lord. And you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you, and this shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. Those far off we brought in. That is the building of the temple. Those far off brought in to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the crown, verse 14, and the crown shall be in the temple of the Lord. The crown shall be in the temple of the Lord. Christ the priest king, not only as great high priest who saves his people, but as king who rules his people. We, we read about, sang about that earlier tonight in Psalm 110. This great king, this great king who will be a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. A priest king. A glorious thing. And therefore, that's why we begin this whole book with that call to repentance. A call to recognize who he is and what he has done. So, back to the beginning of the book, to Zechariah chapter 1. In the eighth year of the second year, eighth month, second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet. The Lord was very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, thus says the Lord, return to me and I will return to you. The call to repentance. They've come back to, from exile. They are being established in the land. The temple is being built. Return to me. Repent. This is your obligation as your service to the priest king. To introduce the priest king, he's coming in the rest of the prophecy, but to get ready for that introduction, repent. Recognize him, unlike your forefathers. Oh, from verse 4 of chapter 1. Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets cried out, Thus says the Lord, return from your evil ways. But they did not hear or pay attention. Your fathers, where are they? Gone. They wouldn't hear. They're dead. The prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes, which I have commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? The call to repentance. Again, a beautifully structured book. It begins by pointing out the need for repentance and the need for a savior. It begins by pointing out their sin. And then we have this large middle section that describes the work of the priest king. It talks about their salvation. And the book finishes in chapter 14. Their loving, serving response to the priest king. Zechariah, sin, salvation, service. We go to chapter 14. What's the response of the people to serve this great priest king. Chapter 14, verse 16. 
Then everyone who survives of all the nations that have come against Jerusalem shall go up year after year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Booths. Their response to being introduced to this glorious priest king is to enter his presence and to worship him. The great privilege and blessing of worship. And I think it's so easy for us to miss the significance of that blessing. We who are fallen, we who are sinful, we who are clothed in filthy rags, have been washed and cleansed and given new garments by our priest king, and then we are welcomed to come into his presence. It's easy for us to take that for granted, but that is our loving response. That's our response of gratitude, of love, of service to this king, to gather in his house to worship and to praise him, to be brought into the presence of our God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Our, our obligation to serve God by gathering for worship, but more than that, as wonderful as that is, more than that, verse 20. And on that day there shall be inscribed on the bells of the horses, holy to the Lord. And the pots in the house of the Lord shall be as the bowls before the altar. And every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holy to the Lord of hosts, so that all who sacrifice may come and take of them and boil the meat and sacrifice in them. Not only is our response to what God has done in giving us salvation, not only is that to enter into his presence to worship him on the Lord's day, but also that every part of our life have those words holy to the Lord written over them. He gives us this picture of the bells on the horses being inscribed holy to the Lord. That's their regular life. That's commerce. That's interaction. Our, our business life, holy to the Lord. He talks about the pots, not only in the temple, but all the pots in Jerusalem, holy to the Lord. This is our service at home, in our homes, in society, all of our life characterized by those words, holy to the Lord. This is our response. The fullness of our response to our great priest king, the one who has removed the filthy garments and given us clean vestments, the one who has the crown on his head and rules over his people and welcomes us to be part of his church, a church that now lives in the world around us in a way that is distinctive holy to the Lord, all because of that glorious priest king, the one who saved us and the one who rules us. That is the beautiful message of Zechariah, a picture of the person and work of Jesus Christ. Do you know that priest king? Do you know him? as the one who has saved you, who has removed your filthy rags of sin and clothed you in righteous, clean vestments. 
The one who now, who now reigns and rules over his people by the blessing of his law. And the one who calls forth our response of loving service to worship him Lord's Day after Lord's Day and to live for him every day of our life, all of our life, holy to the Lord. He is not only the Savior of our souls, he is the Lord of our lives. Oh, may God give us to see the beauty, the grandeur in this minor prophet of his son Jesus Christ, the great high priest, the eternal king, the one whom we serve. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, how we thank you for your word, for all of your word. We recognize, O oh God, there are portions of your word that are easier for us to read and understand, and there are those portions that are more difficult, that take more work. But there is a beauty, there is a richness, there is a depth when we give ourselves to the careful study of your word. We pray that the words of Zechariah might encourage us tonight to recognize Jesus Christ, our priest king, and to seek to live every day of our lives, every day of our lives, in loving service to him. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.